Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. This episode is brought to you by Michigan Economic Development Corporation. In Michigan, you can have both a rewarding career and a quality lifestyle. With plentiful career opportunities in world-changing, innovating industries, from electric vehicles to clean energy to biotech, with room for advancement no matter where you are in your career. Plus, Michigan offers a welcoming, beautiful, affordable, and inclusive community for all. Live your best life. You can in Michigan. Visit themichiganlife.org. This is the Rise of the Young Podcast, bringing you insights from the most innovative entrepreneurs and influencers of this era. Hosted by 17-year-old entrepreneur, author, public speaker, and branding expert, Casey Adams. Now, let's get right into the show. Yo, what up, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Rise of the Young Podcast. Today, we got Adam Graham Mason here with us today. Pleasure Pleasure having you on, man. Hey, appreciate it, man. Happy to be here. Uh, For the record, we're going by Adam 22. Uh, I love my government name many years ago, but it's, you know, I I still respect it, but I I like to go by the number. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was was about to say, so everyone listening, Adam, he runs the podcast, No Jumper. I'm sure a lot of you listening know what it is. You've tuned in. goes by Adam 22. I was getting to that. But yeah, man, pretty much how I want to start this off, man, for the people that don't know who you are, kind of where you're from and how you've got into this whole hip-hop culture, what you have now with No Jumper. So kind of just like the brief intro story before we really jump into it. Yeah, so I'm a pretty regular-ass kid from uh, New Hampshire. I um, was, you know, it's, it's about, I grew up about 30 minutes outside of Boston, and my whole life I just had this completely obsessive personality where whatever I was into, I was just 100% into it, like whether it was a, a professional wrestling or comic books or video yeah. games or whatever the fuck it was. And, um, you know, at, at a certain point, I fell in love with BMX bikes, and then that became my life for, like, maybe 10 years. I started when I was about 12 or 13, and then that, that was my life until I was about 22. And when I was 22, I uh, was, you know, I've always been a big rap fan, too, and I was paying attention to what was going on in the, the hip-hop blog space. And I started to see that there were all these uh, rap blogs popping up like Now Right and uh, Two Dope Boys, stuff like that. Yeah. And they had a pretty basic formula, you know, that is recognizable to anybody today of like basically what a blog is where, you know, they would just cover, uh, you know, new magazine covers, new songs, new music videos, just all that stuff in the hip hop space. And I was looking at that stuff every day. And, uh, you know, I noticed like a profound change in my behavior because, you know, I had been a person where, since the age of maybe like 11 or 12, I was buying, uh, you know, hip hop magazines every month, like the source and double XL and murder dog. And, uh, I just noticed that my behavior stopped. Like I spotted that in myself that I, I changed up my behavior and stopped looking at magazines and started just checking blogs. And so then I noticed that in BMX that magazines were huge, but there weren't really any significant websites. So I figured that I wanted to start, you know, a website that could document what was going on in BMX culture, basically take the stuff that was going on in the message boards, like, you know, YouTube videos, MySpace videos, 
uh, you know, photos that people were taking, that kind of stuff. And I wanted to be able to sort of cover that online. So I started doing that, aggregating content. And then that sort of uh, led me in the direction of, uh, you know, and that changed my life. Because before that, you know, I was selling drugs, doing credit card scams. Yeah. And, and, you know, after that, I kind of I found my way into online poker. But then online poker led me into the, the BMX uh, website thing. So I was doing that for a while. Kind of started to get bored with just, you know, running a regular blog. So we started to get real heavy into the YouTube side of things. And I started to do blogs. And I started to do podcasts. And, you know... Pretty quickly with the, the podcast thing, I found myself wanting to do podcasts. I went outside of BMX as I sort of gained confidence with doing BMX podcasts. And that led me in the direction of doing rap podcasts because that's just something I've always been into. And then all of a sudden it became uh, the case pretty quickly that the, the rap podcasts were a lot more popular than the BMX podcasts. And I sort of, uh, had to adapt and, and change up my content. And it's just been a, a roller coaster for the past few years. For sure. So when did you actually start your podcast? Like, was it how many years ago? Um, you know, I was messing with it for a while. I, if you, if you were to search TCU TV on YouTube, you'd find all kinds of weird stuff, or especially if you search inner bike, because we were in Vegas, we like rented out a suite and we tried to do podcasts with, um, all kinds of different BMX companies that advertised with us. Like that's what we were trying to do for a while. And then, and then over time I sort of found my style, which I guess is more, you know, just doing like in depth, interviews like hardcore conversations because i feel like i kind of exist in a weird space where i can relate to an 18 year old rapper kid because i never really stopped living that life completely but then i can also relate to you know a 40 year old businessman because i have experience <laughs> in terms of building companies and all that kind of stuff too so that's dope so when you say you started like the bmx podcast was that like you you have a store, um, like a physical store, and where is it in Melrose, right? Yeah, it's in uh, Los Angeles on Melrose. It's about like a half a mile from the Supreme store. Um, yeah. So it's, it's you know a pretty uh, hip area, and and we're happy to uh, be out here and sort of be able to spread like BMX culture to yeah. uh, you know all the streetwear kids and stuff like that. Because a lot of these people, BMX is not like a huge part of modern pop culture like it was in the '90s or whatever. So. It's cool for us to be able to sort of be the cultural point for people who are into that stuff and to have No Jumper be part of it. Because a lot of a lot of my fans w- wouldn't really know anything about BMX if it wasn't from, for No Jumper. So it's cool. Yeah, That's dope. Actually, I was I used to do like BMX. I was in a bunch of different competitions and shit for like two, three years. So that's that's dope. So when it comes to like the podcast with like going from BMX to rap, I know I've, I've checked out a lot of your stuff regarding like you had Xavier Wolf on, you had a few of these guys. Was that something where like you've already had these mutual relationships or how did like that entire rap scene podcasting interviewing come about? Well, if you look at how I got into rap podcasting, really, it's like you only need one connection if you're good or if you, if you're, you know, doing the right things. Like for me, Xavier Wolf was my only connection to hip hop. He's the only person I knew in the rap scene. The only reason I knew him was because he was into BMX and he was always like coming through our shop and stuff. And I just randomly reached out to him on Twitter because I was a fan of what him and Bones and Chris Travis and them were doing. So, uh, you know, I, I reached out to him. We started kicking it a little bit. He's the only rapper kid that I knew at the time. And so I did an interview with him that went well. And then uh, Puya hit me up. Puya was like, yo, I, I fucking love that interview that you did with Xavier. He's like, I want you to be my first interview. So this to me at that time is like, you know, now I know all these super famous rappers and stuff. So it doesn't. Yeah. I, I'm able to see 
more realistically that like they weren't really like that big of rappers at the time. But I mean, these are guys who at that time could sell out, you know, a thousand tickets at a show. Now they could probably do 2000 tickets at a show. So yeah. I was geeking because I love rap music my whole life, but I never really had like a way that I was uh, participating in the culture besides just listening to it and maybe like posting some songs on Twitter or something. So, so, you know, if you really think about that, I only knew one guy, but that one guy was enough for me to, sort of wedge my foot in the door and really like get get my way into that space which is it's kind of important for like a young entrepreneur to hear that i think because you know you could go be an assistant or you could go you know be an intern at some company and just meet like the one right person that could completely take your career in a different direction for sure for sure that's dope that's badass so was it like when you when you like had those couple interviews when it was it more of like a Word of mouth effect where you're just like, you got him on, you got Puya, you got Fat Nick on, and then they just started bringing in more people, or you were just reaching out, or like, how did you, like, I saw you were like the first interview for Lil Yachty, right? Like, was that like his first kind of conversation when he was coming up? You know, it was really just like, I, I got the first interviews for a lot of artists who went on to be really big, and that was just genuine, because like, when I interviewed uh, XXX Tentacion, he only had like, uh, like 12,000 or 15,000 followers on SoundCloud or whatever. And now he's got like 3 million, I think. Yeah. And so like that one, that was my biggest interview I ever did. And that, and that was like, when you think about it, that was just a, the fact that that was such a big thing for me and that that propelled my career in the right direction was just because of the fact that I like took a chance on a kid who wasn't proven yet at that time. And like, same thing with Lil Pump, like all those videos I did with him, they got like six or seven million views. I mean, yeah. he wasn't really that big when I met him. He had like 5,000 followers when I met him. He was brand new. But I just like, you know, and, and that right there I think is important for, for a young entrepreneur to see too is like, you know, if you take chances on building relationships with lots of different people, it doesn't matter if maybe they're not the biggest at that time or the best or the most useful to you. It's like over time all those relationships can kind of come together to help you get where you want to go. For sure. No, that's, that's badass. So with you, like, kind of taking a step back, because um, you said you grew up in New Hampshire, right? So, like, when did you move to L.A., and, like, what was the reasoning? Was Did you have a plan, or how did that all go? Well, yeah, I lived in New Hampshire, Nashville, New Hampshire, half hour outside of Boston. That's why I always say, because when people hear New Hampshire, they think, like, that I lived on a fucking ski resort or something, <laughs> you know? I basically lived in, like, a pretty regular-ass little small New England city, like 80,000 people or whatever. But from, from a super young age, riding BMX and everything, I just knew – that I wasn't meant to be there because we used to go to go to Boston every weekend or we, we'd be like getting one of our friends to drive us to Lowell or Manchester, New Hampshire or something like that just to ride BMX. And I just like pretty quickly got accustomed to that feeling of like, oh, I don't want to be on my block. I don't want to be in my neighborhood. I want to be getting out there and seeing the fucking world. And that's like the main, really when I think about BMX, that's the biggest thing that it gave me aside from maybe just like the, the knowledge that I got from running the BMX website is just that that passion and that dedication to getting myself out there. So at a really young age, we were going to Boston and stuff all the time. All of a sudden, I'm like 17. I'm in New York City for the first time. And I was always in love with hip-hop, too. So just being able to be out in, in the Bronx and in Queens riding BMX bikes and hearing, like, cars blasting, like, G-Unit and Dipset, like, in the very early days of those artists coming out and stuff, it was just like an unreal thing for me to experience that at a young age. And I got to thank BMX for that because that's what got me out of my shell and made me sort of want to take on challenges and get out there and see the world. So yeah, I moved to, I moved to, um, to Astoria, Queens when I was like right, right, right before my 21st birthday. I was out there for seven years. I also lived in a uh, Bushwick, 
which at the time was not uh, the, the fun, gentrified, cool version of Bushwick that it is now. But, but uh, And then I left out of there in 2010, and I lived in Long Beach for a while, and then I've been in L.A. ever since. That's dope. That's dope. So when it, when it comes to, like, your um, transition of, like, BMX to the hip-hop game, was it something, like, you had to, like, because you, you still have, like, the BMX story. Are you still invested and involved in the BMX scene at all, or how does that look? Yeah, you know, like we still have the BMX store. I still have the BMX website, thecomeup.com. And uh, I'm going to be totally honest, the BMX scene is not really as strong as it was at a certain point in the sense that there's just, you know, not as much going on with the, the in terms of the website and everything. There's just not as many videos coming out and everything. But we still have bloggers who make stuff. We still have videos that come out on our YouTube channel. Um, for me personally, you know, it's kind of like, it's the kind of thing where I want BMX. I want to find more BMX kids who really care about making BMX content, sort of yeah. empower them. But it's been kind of a struggle to find uh, people who want to do that stuff. So, I mean, on a personal level, I'm really focused on building No Jumper. But the BMX connection that I feel we still have is mainly through the store because, you know, we have kids coming through constantly. We're selling bikes to kids, helping them fix their bikes, selling parts, giving them a place to hang out. We got, like, a grind ledge in front and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's definitely – really valuable to me, even though I don't have much of a role with the website anymore. Just the fact that we still have the shop and I'm able to have like a one-on-one -on -one relationship with so many BMX kids all the time is really uh, awesome just to be able to see them. And I, I know that like, even though I don't do BMX content anymore, that they seem like they re respect and appreciate the yeah. stuff that, that I'm doing. Like you're holding it together out there, you know? <laughs> That's yeah, dope. You know, I'm putting on for their shit in yeah. a different level and a different context, I think. so. That's badass. That's badass. So when it comes to um, when it comes to just I know that when it comes to like interaction on Instagram, social media, no jumper in general, because I know that you have merch with no jumper. But like from your point of view, where no jumper is now, like what's like your like where you want to take it as like a visionary standpoint? Is it like a record label? Is it just a you want to be the spotlight for hip hop like you currently are? Or, like what's kind of like your vibe with everything you got going on from like a long like just kind of like a thought process looking forward. Um. Well, to be honest, like I really felt like at a certain point I could I, I I I decided that no jumper just became something that I didn't plan for it to be in the sense that it just became known as this hub for all of the cool new young viral rap shit, and that's not necessarily what I planned for it to be, but that's what it turned into because that was just the kind of stuff that I knew about. So for a while, I was sort of resisting that and being like, nah, like, I don't want to go fully hip hop because, you know, that comes with all sorts of like responsibilities and everything. Uh, but, you know, at a certain point, I just realized, you know, that's what people want from me with the no jumper thing. So I'm just going to give it to them. I'm just going to, you know, actually make, you know, the best possible hip hop media company that I can. I'm really focused on doing that for the next, you know, however many years of my life is I just want to really build the best hip hop media company I can. And, you know, I still, uh, you know, I like doing things on my own and stuff. Like I'm starting my own podcast, just called the Adam 22 show. And that's just going to be kind of, uh, more of like a host chat type thing for people who might be interested in that. And, uh, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, that's, that's my main goal. Like I do want to develop stuff for TV, but I want to develop a media company. And that's what I'm really like completely focused on at this point. In terms of doing merch and stuff, you know, that's a good way to keep the lights on. You don't make that much on YouTube these days if you do the kind of content that we do with guns and weed and stuff like that. So monetize it or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, we big, big demonetization gang for sure. Damn, that's ugly. <laughs>
Well, dope. So when it comes to, I, I was reading some of the, some of your comments on Instagram and stuff. People are always like, just when it comes to like your character, like connecting with fans, whether it be taking pictures and stuff. So what's like your mindset with like you have obviously as like an Adam Twenty Two personal brand, like six hundred thousand followers, and you have the No Jumper brand. But when it comes to like your interaction with your audience, I've seen a lot of people say that like they just totally vibe with you. So what's like your kind of mindset about the personal brand that you've created, the way that you go about it? Like, do you have certain limits that you do or what's like your just whole thought for us interacting with fans and people that support you? I mean, I love my fans and like I, I try to take as many photos as I can and everything. I definitely sometimes at a certain point you realize that you just gotta be a dick. And like <laughs> when when you're like running through a show trying to get to the backstage area and there's like a million people screaming that they want a photo, <laughs> you gotta just be like, nah, you gotta just put your head down and keep heading there because you can't do it. But you know, for the most part, I try to hang out in my store as much as possible and just, like, meet people. And, you know, I love it. I get to take take pictures with, like, eight-year-old girls. And then, like, all of a sudden, their 40-year-old dad is like, yo, can I get a photo, too? And that's, like, <laughs> just realize, like, oh, man, there's, like, whole families that are vibing with me, even though my content is completely not family-friendly. I don't know. But um, for me, like, in terms of how I see myself fitting into that whole uh, – the whole YouTube world stuff. I try to just be the realest vlogger. Like I try to be the realest podcaster. I try to be honest about everything. Like I, I try to be honest about drugs and sex and how yeah. I feel and what I'm doing business wise. I try to lay as much stuff out on the table as possible in terms of what I'm doing with my business because I feel like people relate to that. And like, like I, I just put out a vlog today and there's a moment where um, my fucking I, I pull up my pant leg so I can show uh, my friend my my tattoo of a Pokemon on my leg. And yeah. when I'm pulling, because he had the same Pokemon tattooed on his throat. So, <laughs> yeah. Shout out Rizzo, Rizzo. But anyway, I, I pulled up my pant leg to show him, and my pant leg got stuck on top of my calf, and I had to pull it down. It took me like 10 minutes of pulling <laughs> my calf, pulling my jeans down, and uh, I left it in. I could have left it. I, I could have took it out. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah. I left it in because I want to be the realest YouTuber, whatever the fuck you want to call me. I'm just trying to be the realist. So that's, how, that's my personal ethos. That's dope. That's dope. So when it comes to um, just like the hip hop culture in general with like the different people that you've interviewed, you like you said, like you've interviewed like from people that just gotten started and then like the big superstars in a sense. So when it comes to, I was looking through some of your comments and it's like XXL, Freshman Predictions. Like who do you think's hot right now that like Little Pump went from like when you interviewed him to mainstream in a sense. And I'm sure you have a different outlook and taste about like, who's currently making moves, but like, what's like from your insights about like someone who's up and coming that you think people should know about or they will within the next six months or something? I mean, you know, it's crazy because people ask me that a lot. And the weird thing about answering it is that there's very many like different levels to the underground. Like yeah. for instance, I don't know how deep you are in the underground. I could say Lil Skies is like the next big star out of the underground. But I mean, the thing is Lil Skies just hit a million followers on Instagram. Lil Skies has, multiple songs with like 40 million plays so in terms of how deep i am into the underground me saying that little skies is next up seems kind of obvious so it's really all about who you're talking about you know i could say the same thing about ybn namir i mean he just hit a million followers too a lot of people who are like rap fans they might still not know who ybn namir is even though he's got a song like rubbing off the paint that's got you know whatever 50 million plays or some shit like that so um I don't know. It's tough to say. And I could really dig deep. I could go all the way deep underground and, and name off somebody like, um, oh, 10 cell phones. Man, we were jamming out to 10 cell phones last night on the live stream. And he got some hits. 
I mean, he got hits, but I'm talking about he got like 2,500 plays. Or actually, I really want to show love to Pimp Pimp Pete because he got a song called Pete Talk, and uh, you know that's that's my friend Desto Dub's little brother, and he he he's just like a, a ridiculous uh, LA character who says it's regular about 800 times per song. So, I mean, it's all about what different level you want to look at in the underground, but I got all the levels covered because I'm paying attention to everything. So that's dope. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Hip hop ain't even close to over. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. So when it comes to like, I, I see that you go with you like deep dive and you know, the underground, like deep, deep. So when it comes to like you kind of figuring out or finding the people, is that just from like looking through social media and analyzing or like, what's like kind of your thought process? Like, whether that be discovering someone or just like really figuring figuring out who's next up or you're listening to these people, is there like certain strategies you use or just like just being on content, staying on watched and just like really making it happen? I mean, I, I I imagine that if I was not such an authentic like participant in the culture, that it would be kind of a challenge to stay on top of like everything that's coming out. And I'm not saying that I'm on top of everything because a lot of times I'll find out about some rapper for the first time and he already got a million followers and he already got songs with millions of plays and shit like that. You know, I'm just paying attention. Like a lot of times stuff might get by me a little bit, but you know, I, I pay attention. You know, like I, I have a lot of friends. A lot of them are younger. For young kids, like when, when you like, you know, just cause I have a store is that I got a lot of friends who are like, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old dudes. And like they know cause they're just in the streets. So like if there's some hot song, I got 50,000 plays and it's just popping off in LA. I mean, they're going to tell me about it cause they're eager to tell me about that shit because they know that I'm going to help that dude get more attention if the shit is good or whatever. So for me at this point, it's super easy because I just, you know, not only do I spend so much time on Twitter, not only do I spend so much time on YouTube, not only do I talk to so many, like people are actually like participants in the music industry in the sense of like A&Rs, label dudes, stuff like that. But then the fans, like, I mean, I can't get away from it. Like if there's a rapper popping up, who have got a hundred thousand followers. There's no chance that I'm going to miss his name being said over and over in my comments. So I, it's just, it's easy. It's regular for me at this point, but I mean, it, it helps that I actually just like this shit. Like I've always been that person, like yeah. my, my, my assistant or whatever you want to call him, Chris, he was uh, just talking about that the other day to a reporter or whatever. He's like, man, it's weird to see Adam getting this recognition now because he was just like, you know, Adam was always that dude. He was always waking up in the morning and freaking out about some 18 year old rapper and being like, yo, you got to hear this song. Which, you know, to somebody like Chris is kind of more of a regular guy. It's like, that was weird, but or not weird, but, you know, it's different. For me, it's just, that's how I always been. Okay, dope, dope. So kind of moving on to another one. Like, when it comes to, because I, I really, with the Gary Vee interview, and that was something where, like, I've, I was following you before, and then I saw the Gary Vee interview. So, because it's like you're you're doing all these rappers, and Gary Vee is kind of like the entrepreneur figure. And I know, like, you said it from the beginning, like, you have different people, but how did that kind of come about? Because it's like two very different genres, even though Gary Vee's like in the culture in a sense, but like how did that kind of whole story evolve and that whole just Gary Vee sort of collab happen, do you think? I mean, I got hooked up with that interview through this dude, Rama, that I know who runs like a weed branding agency and he's kind of friends with uh, Gary. So he basically just mentioned it to Gary. Gary like recognized that he'd seen my name in his comments and stuff like that. Like Gary, to his credit, is like, in a weird way, he's like obsessed with social media and, you know, keeping abreast of what's going on in the culture and shit. Like he, like how I was just saying that, you know, I'll have some 19 year old kid from Watts who, you know, just hangs out around the store and he'll be like telling me about new rappers that I got to look at. And that's not necessarily like an intentional thing on my part. That's just kind of how it's uh, the situation I found myself in. But with somebody like Gary, he got a guy on his team that he refers to as like his music consultant or some shit like that. So, 
they had just gone to a agenda together, which is this big like fashion trade show in Long Beach and Vegas and stuff. And they had just been at that. And Gary was saying like, uh, you know, he's like, you know, I like, uh, I like Trippy Red. I like Boo Johnson, who's a professional skateboarder. He's just like, you know, cause he's just, he knows Gary, even being a fucking old ass crusty man, like he is, he knows that he's got to stay abreast of what's going on in the culture. Like, and that, that him knowing about something like Trippy Red is, only gonna help him in his uh career and uh you know i like i like that about gary that he's 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 gone out of his way to sort of end up in a situation that helps him be more culturally affluent which is i like that about him that he knows that that's important for sure that's dope so when it comes to from your insights of like one of your kind of not biggest interviews, but one one of your favorite interviews, one of the favorite people that you connected with through the No Jumper podcast. Do you have like a top three, or not even just to put someone over someone, but like a good conversation that you've had from like a story they've told or anything like that? Man, I mean, there's so many like historic moments that occurred on the podcast from, you know, rappers showing up trying to fight other rappers in the middle of interviews, which is like something that we didn't actually put in the video, but it's, you know, it's folklore. Like people know about it a little bit. Um, to, you know, one of my favorite things that I was able to be a part of was that I was doing the Suicide Boys interview and Puya showed up in the middle of the interview, uh, along with Fat Nick, I believe, and they had never met before, which is, you know, they had done mixtapes before or had done a mixtape before, a bunch of songs together. And, uh, Puya showed up in the middle of the interview, but the, all the communication they had had was like over the computer or whatever. And they met in the middle of the interview, which to me was just like, that's crazy. Like that, that captured like a big, big moment in both of their careers because Puya was like instrumental in the Suicide Boys career. And, uh, I don't know. That was, that was crazy. And then like another one that comes to mind is like I did the first Yachty interview. And when I did that interview, he was like this super, like, I don't want to say insecure, but he was super new to being famous doing something like an interview. And, and he was just so green, so brand new. To, to this whole thing. And then we did an interview about like a year and nine months afterwards, I believe, maybe a year and a half. And we redid another interview. And it was just amazing just seeing him basically been around the world, got rich, grew the fuck up, fucked a million girls. Like it was just amazing to like see it come full circle because he had gone from like a boy to a man in a year and a half. And, uh, I mean, again, that's just, that's just organic shit because I had been in the studio with Lil Pump. Like two nights before, and I seen Yachty there, and Yachty was like, "Yo, you want to do another interview?" I was like, "Bet, let's do it." And I didn't think he was gonna actually hit me up, and then he just hit me up like uh, a couple of days later. Boom, we did it. And I mean, that's that again. That's just like the kind of stuff that comes from actually being out here. Like I, I knew about Lil Yachty when he had ten thousand followers because I actually give a shit. Okay, so it's just like you're just deep into it enough to like know about the people before the mainstream in a sense, and I totally get that for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you gotta. Whatever you're doing, all I'm saying is you got to just be so fucking passionate about whatever you're doing that you got to just eat it, live it, sleep yeah. it, eat it. And if you don't have that, like if somebody is looking at what I got right now, they're like, oh, he's a 34-year-old white guy and he runs a hip-hop media company. That's cool. He runs a popular hip-hop podcast. If somebody wants that, it's like, all right, well, the number one thing you got to do is you got to pay attention to this fucking culture and be an active participant in it for, you know, probably at least 10 years. And then maybe you'll have like an opinion that people are, are, are interested in hearing when it comes to this rap shit because it's not, it's not a forgiving culture. The fact that I've even been able to exist as a fucking white boy is a challenge in and of itself. So, I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta really mean it because people are very eager to call out a fake. Okay, for sure, for sure. Let's go. No, that's, that's some real shit. I feel you. 
So when it comes to um, just your involvement of like, what were you at last year? You'd say when it comes to, like subscribers on YouTube, like what's been like the growth process over the last year, two years? Um, well, I know that like a year ago I had fifty thousand on Instagram, and now I got like almost six hundred thousand. So I was thinking about that the other day. That's pretty crazy. And, wow. Yeah, I don't know. I think I had like uh, maybe like three hundred thousand, okay. four hundred thousand subscribers like a year ago. Yeah. So yeah, like one point one million now. That's pretty exciting. But yeah, you know, it's just that constant grind, just putting in work and just doing shit online. And like, it, it's crazy because I I could not find the energy to put in that work if I didn't absolutely love what I was doing because yeah. you know, I'm just a person that's directed by my mood, directed by my energy, whatever the fuck I feel like doing, you know? For sure, for sure. So when it comes to, like, um, it says you dropped out of college, right? Like, was that ever a path for you at all? Or like, cause you said you went to a community college and then dropped out. Like, what was that pre-moving to LA sort of BMX Adam before that? Like, did you ever plan on kind of not even starting a media company, but like just being an entrepreneur, creating your own shit or what was like your mindset like before this all started? My mindset when I was 19 or whatever and I dropped out of college was basically that at the time I was doing credit card fraud and I was selling drugs and I just was like, man, fuck this shit. I hate college. I want to drop the fuck out and, you know, just make money and be able to do whatever I want, be able to travel around, travel around, ride my bike, do whatever. So that's why I dropped out of school and I moved to New York. Totally stupid decision. Really like, you know, Kids, you don't want to be living a life of crime. Shit is bad news. But I don't know. For some reason, uh, that seemed like a good idea to me at the time, and I did it, and I managed to make it work out. But you know, for the kids out there, I would probably recommend a more, uh, uh, a little bit less of a risky strategy in terms of how to go about making it. But you know, that, that's where I was at that point. I didn't give a fuck about college. I never wanted to be there. I only went to college because uh, my my parents told me that I basically had two options: I could go to college, and I could. Uh, and I could not like, and then I wouldn't have to pay rent and I could stay at home and not have to pay rent or that I could get a full-time job and pay them rent. I was like, man, okay. and the thing about it too, is that like my parents, like, they're really serious about education and shit. I, I didn't care at all personally, but they, uh, my mom was a librarian for the state of Massachusetts. So she was able to like, get me, uh, get me in there for, for okay. free basically. So I was able to go to college for free. So I didn't, even though I didn't care about it at all, it gave me an opportunity to at least figure out what I was missing out on, and it didn't like cost my parents much. That's dope. That's dope. So with that, because I, I, because I'm 17 right now, bro. I'm I graduate high school like June or some shit. I plan on moving out to LA, and like I feel like because for me, like the kind of atmosphere I'm in with, like I have a lot of these young kind of entrepreneurs that are following me. Like, what would be like a tip to them that they not necessarily want to go the conventional route and like they want to create shit, but some of them don't have just I wouldn't say the drive, but they don't have the results you'd say yet. So what would you say from like someone that's created something from idea that like you want to give to someone that's, whether that be my age or 20 year olds that just are wanting to do something, but they're just not there yet. I mean, from the perspective of like who I've seen kind of make it, make their way into my good graces and like in terms of my organization. And I imagine that this is probably pretty similar to what you could do if you wanted to work for anyone. But like, all right, there's there's a kid named uh, Philosophy who does editing for me, edits a lot of the exposed interviews that have all the crazy animations in the background, stuff like that. I also get help from my friend Charlie Crumlish, but uh, Philosophy does a lot of it. And the way I started working with him was just because he took an interview that I did and chopped it up and, and uh, put some sound effects and weird like animations and stuff like that. So he was just a real fan who was yeah. watching all my stuff and actually had enough of a sense of humor 
to make a video out of one of my interviews that went viral, like on Instagram and got like a million views. And, and, and on top of that, this is what's crazy is because it was of Rico Reckless, who's like one of my favorite people, uh, hilarious fucking dude, great rapper, great hip hop personality, great American, really. Yeah. And, uh, he chopped this up of, of Rico and, and Rico downloaded it and put it on his Instagram and fucking Chance the Rapper of all people commented on it with a bunch of crying, laughing faces, which to me was just like, whoa, yeah. like, it, like talk about making it obvious to me that he would be a useful part of No Jumper. Yeah. He made a video that was so fucking funny that Chance the Rapper felt the need to die laughing <laughs> to it. So like, basically yeah. that says a lot right there. And, uh, so I ended up hiring him and he does like tons of work for me and I'm trying to get him to move out to LA and stuff. And like, that's just an example of how you can make it. Another example is this kid, Dylan, he's this fucking white kid with long blonde hair who he just sort of like applied to be an intern. We had him in, he takes photos, he can do Photoshop. He's around, he rolls blunts and he just, you know, fit, he fit in good. You know, it's, it was obvious that he was a fan of, you know, you know, me to a certain extent as well as like the rappers and everything. But you know, he was cool. And he, he wasn't annoying. He, he found his way, like, to make himself useful. Where he was always offering to do different stuff for free. Oh, you need me to mm-hmm. drop this product to this warehouse, or you need me to do this, blah, blah, blah. So now we pay him because he, like, made himself so useful that we just needed him around. Yeah. So to, to kids out there, that's what I would recommend. Like, if you really, like, want to do something, do a really, really good job of it on your own. Like, if you wanted to be the next personality on no jumper if you wanted to make a name for yourself as being an on-camera personality i would recommend you start a fucking youtube channel an instagram and a twitter and just make videos talking about stuff and try to get my attention and you know try to get people who work for me's attention and just try to make a splash and if you could if you could do good stuff it's so easy these days to prove yourself like if you want to be a writer just you know you got to start a blog and start a twitter and start writing and just try, try to make a name for yourself and if a lot of people work and, and toil away for years and years and they feel like, oh, like people are out here going viral because they're doing fuck shit and everything like that. But that's part of it. Like you got to figure out how to market your shit on your own. And it's, it's strange to say, but you got to figure out how to make shit go viral on your own. Like that's a big part of the skill that it takes to work for a media company these days. So, you sure. know, if you really got it in you, if you, if you really like understand the internet, I wouldn't be worried about you. Like you can make it in this life if you if you just really understand the platform that you're dealing with. Yeah, but I I, I just saw your um the interview with Supreme Patty and they were talking about, all about that shit about like he was doing like the simple shit and then he started going wild because he saw like the boom game that went viral as shit. So when it comes to like catching not even catching trends but just like interacting with what what's actually happened is that just something like you'd recommend to people just like figuring out what works and just doing that shit full force. Yeah, I mean, just paying attention to what's going on in the internet, paying attention to what works. And I mean, there's a realization at a certain point that's like, maybe, you know, we don't know what Supreme Patty is going to do with his life. Is Supreme Patty going to be a senator? Is Supreme Patty going to be, you know, a congressman? I don't know. Maybe he, he could do whatever he wants with his life. All I know is that he got 2.7 million Instagram followers off of squeezing limes into his eyes and, you know, taking bong hits or pubes or whatever the fuck he's doing. And, and I respect that because it's like, I don't know necessarily what the greater message is of what Supreme Patty's going to do with his career going forward. But making all these ridiculous videos, at the very least, has gotten him somewhere. And, I mean, I would just say, like, you know, all right, take my buddy Roy Purdy. Roy oh, yeah. Purdy is a hilarious dude. He's one of the coolest dudes I've met in a long time. He's, like, 19. 
And he made a, he got like almost 2 million Instagram followers by making videos of him dancing. Yeah. And like, that's this is like, funny. That's, this is funny. that's <laughs> the coolest shit ever. You know, cause it's like, he honestly, like he's doing merch now. He's making music now. Super talented. He made a name for himself from doing these stupid ass dances and he might be the next Michael J. Fox because he, you know, did some dances and got a name for himself. And then who knows? He could be an actor from there. He could be a, a celebrity. Whatever. I just was talking to him. I'm like, what are you doing today? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm off. He's with some video game company doing a brand deal. I'm like, you know, he's probably making like a very significant amount of money from doing that as well as going to go have this cool experience at a video game company. That's the kind of thing that people out there would kill to be able to do. Look at Roy, man. He made a name for himself up doing stupid-ass dances. You could do it too. Yeah, that's, that's badass as fuck. So last question. I got like two more things. So when it comes to like... Because I always talk about to like people like, for example, like I got drama on the podcast from like a DM. Same thing with you. I sent you a DM. So when it comes to like communication with social media, like I always like preach to everyone that's fucking messaging me as like, I just like communication with Instagram, whatever it may be, just like to build relationships. But like when it comes to you, like reading messages or even like being on this podcast, like what's your mentality? Like what did that be to just like you got back to me? We made this happen like to get not even back to your fans, but just like to take time out of your day. Do you consider, like, because drama, when I was talking to him, he was like, it's kind of just the thing to do now rather than, like, a smaller interview on a publication. So what's, like, your mindset towards, like, interviews, but just with people like me that has a podcast that's, like, building their stuff up, but someone's established like you? Like, what's kind of your mentality with all that? I mean, like, I like if you think, I think it's very important to work your way up the ladder because I wouldn't have responded to you if you were like, yo, I'm starting a podcast. I want you to be my first guest. I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't even bother to respond. But like, I saw the fact that you didn't interview drama and you had a few other pretty uh, significant guests on and stuff. I'm, I'm cool with drama. I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll do this podcast because I like to be able to do yeah. interviews with people who are just kind of starting out or, or newer to it and stuff, you know. I just, I like that, but you know, I obviously I don't respond to like ninety nine percent of people do their podcast. But um, yeah, and I, I think it's really important. It's like if you're just starting out, if you're somebody out there that's like looking at your podcast and is wondering how they could get an interview with me. Well, number one is like you probably shouldn't shoot for somebody at my level. I'm not saying I did anything too crazy or that I'm some giant fucking celebrity, but you know, getting somebody at my level might be a little bit difficult. Like I didn't start. I just did a fucking. I just had Jay Cole on my blog. I, I just did. Same week and Lil Zan and all these guys who are pretty well known. Like I, I do that kind of stuff all the time, to be honest. But you know, I didn't start out doing that. I started out with like a lot of like really underground rappers, and I think that's a big part of showing that you're serious. Is like if you're gonna start something, maybe just go hard in the direction of doing people who are like killing it on a smaller local level. Like if you, if I lived in fucking nebraska right now and i really want to start a podcast i would be trying to at first at least i'd be trying to be the illest nebraska podcast ever because number one you're going to get your skills up you're going to get good at what you're doing and like then also you're going to be able to you could be beloved in a certain area like you could have the coolest podcast in a certain area and it would be really easy to figure out what kind of media outlets you need to go reach out to or what radio shows you could maybe go be on and stuff if you're working in like a really smaller area or you know not physically smaller but with less like active participants in the culture and everything if you're in a smaller area you don't have to move to la and try to make it you could like do a really good job documenting your local scene and then maybe blossom out from there that's like the biggest uh, recommendation i would give for people is like you know just go hard doing stuff uh for people that you believe in on a smaller underground level because that's what works for me 
That's dope. That's badass. So yeah, so last thing before we wrap this up. So when it comes to just like, number one, I know you have like your YouTube, your, like your Instagram, you're really engaging on there. What's like the best way people to follow you? And like also with the podcast, when it comes to, because I just kind of got started my podcast a couple months ago. When it comes to like the whole voice situation, because like I just read Gary Vee's new book, he's talking all about like Amazon Alexa, and this is kind of just like a personal question to you: Are you doing anything like the extra stuff, like the Amazon Alexa stuff, the Alexa briefings, like the new upcoming trends with voice, or like what's your thoughts about that? And that's just coming from like dude. I don't dude, know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't know anything about all that shit. Oh shit! Oh shit! Never mind. Next, yes. What is that? What's that all about? So yes, I mean, because I got uh, Gary's new book, whatever, crushing it. He, his last chapter is just like voice first, and he's just like just going the hell on. Like this is my favorite chapter. It's about podcasting. It's about Amazon Alexa voice, and like you know, there's Alexa shits, right? You can like ask him questions and stuff. No, you don't Amazon Alexa. You don't know about them? No. Well, dude, those shits are crazy. So it's like Amazon has like the little Alexa. You can be like, Hey Alexa, what's the weather? Hey Alexa, play the Gary V audio experience. Or, hey Alexa, play the No Jumper podcast. And it's just like a voice, um, just platform. But it's like you put it in your room, you put it in your bathroom, or whatever it may be. But like these these flash briefing shits, it's just like they're one minute things. If you say like, "Yo Alexa, what's my briefings?" and like if you would come on like the No Jumper briefing, it would be like you would talk about we interviewed blah 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 this week. Make sure you go check it out on the YouTube channel. So it's like briefings about like what's happening in your outer world, like the YouTube channel, the Instagrams or whatever. But it's just like a way to keep people on task, like if they're asking these voice kind of questions on like a fast paced basis. Damn, interesting. I, I never heard of that. It sounds kind of fucking out there to me, too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I got Siri on my phone. I used it about two times ever in my whole life. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm getting old. I fucking, I was kind of late to Snapchat, too, to be totally honest. Okay, dope, dope. <laughs> no, that shit, I was just wondering if you were doing that shit, because I know I literally just read this book, and like you're crushing the podcast, but I guess okay. it's not that much kind of mainstream yet, dude. But, but yeah, man, I definitely appreciate you coming on, man. One more last thing before we wrap it up. When it comes to um, just last kind of, I would say tip for the people listening, but just like, I know we already covered a few things, but just like uh, not even just starting a podcast or starting a social media, but just like one thing that you've kind of considered from your personality traits that'll just like allow you to stay passionate about something or actually build shit. What's like that one last piece of thing that you'd want like younger kids to know or something like that? I mean, it's really all about just if you're the real deal or not. Like, you know, for me, I was always, uh, I was, I succeeded at the things that I was so genuinely interested in that I couldn't help myself but spend all my time doing those things. You know, in the sense that, like, I was so obsessed with BMX that I fucked up everything else in my life because I wanted to ride BMX. You know, like, I fucked up college. I fucked up relationships with girls because I loved BMX that much. And then I ended up making it in BMX. And then, you know, when I think about rap and stuff, it's like, you know, I fucked up the BMX thing because I love doing rap stuff so much that I just had to... I had to chase those dreams, you know? And that's like, that's what it is. It's like, if you're, if you're the real deal, then you got a shot. If you're, if you're just trying to fake it, if you're just, uh, you know, if, if you want to make it, you know, hey, you could go make it in the pharmaceutical industry without giving a fuck about, a, you know, uh, prescription drugs. Yeah. You know, if you're a savvy businessman or you find your, your calling in that. But if, if you want to be involved in the arts, it's, uh, it's very hard to fake. So, I uh, it's all about like, you know, learning and just being into shit and just fucking chasing down wormholes. It's like, for me, it's all about like, even right now, if I'm not, if I wasn't doing this, if I wasn't in the studio working right now, I would be at my house reading a book about something I'm interested in or listening to a podcast that I'm interested in. Who knows? Some podcasts I listen to might lead me down some wormhole because yeah. there's some interview that changes my fucking life. Who knows? That's, I mean, that's just what it's all about. 
Real shit. Well, dope, bro. So for everyone listening, if you follow Adam, make sure you tell him that you came from the podcast. But for everyone that's not, all of his descriptions, the links to his YouTube channel, his Instagram, all that sort of stuff will be down in the description. Make sure you go check that out. But for that being said, I hope everyone had a good day. Keep killing it. Peace. Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.